1: welcome to dsc's untamed heritage the unique blend of hunting conservation and the outdoor lifestyle delivered in an entertaining and informative fashion as only a veteran outdoorsman can do dsc's untamed heritage is brought to you by dallas safari club conservation education protecting hunter's rights hornady accurate deadly dependable Trigicon, brilliant aiming solutions Texas-raised hunting products, The Scent Gods, Burnham Brothers Game Calls, Calling His Calls Made, Double Nickel Taxidermy, where hunting memories are preserved. Now here's your host, Larry Weissoon. The old Willie Nelson song, On the Road
2: Again, is kind of where I am right now. With me, I've got Mr. Jeremiah Bennett. Jeremiah's one of these guys who I wish I would Wish I'd met and spent more time around years ago, starting a long time ago. Jeremiah Bennett and I are on the road coming back from Missouri on a deer hunt. We're dealing with some road noises. I'll explain it. Also, we're dealing with some horrible wind noises because the blooming wind outside is blowing about 35 miles an hour. Jeremiah, among other things, is a kind of a, a fisherman. He is a guide in Mexico and some other places. He is a fabulous artist when it comes to uh, doing murals and those kind of things, but he also happens to be uh, the cameraman that I found out. I don't want to work with anybody else for a while until he quits filming. Uh, We're just returning now from uh, Missouri having hunted with IBM Outfitters. And uh, I'll give you that website now a little bit later as well too. It's it's uh, it's uh, IBM IMB Oh I'm sorry. I thank you. See, that's the you have a cameraman. It's it's IMB Monsterbucks.com. Monsterbucks.com. And uh, Jeremiah, where you been all my life? <laughs>
0: it's funny you asked that I asked uh I asked Dave Fulson the same thing when he was he asked me uh he asked me the other night when I was talking to him on the phone how things you know how things were going up here and how how I was getting on with you and uh I said Dave where's Larry been my
2: whole life <laughs> so I, I actually I actually said the same exact thing well I'll tell you what we've had an absolute blast up there we've we've hunted our tail off when you heard stay and spent a lot of time on our tail i guess is what you might ought to say but uh your impression of of missouri i mean we'll talk a little bit more later on i want to do another podcast with you about some of the places you've been and some of the filming you've done of course this show was being done for safari classics for their uh world of sports and field tv show but uh you're a deer hunter as well too you hunt with a bow and a rifle and and we've got a lot of experience down in Mexico. What was your impression of the the habitat, in the country that we visited and hunted while we were in Northern Missouri? Uh, I really liked it. I really did it. Um, it kind of had a.
0: It, it was. I've hunted in other areas of the Midwest, but that that area there in Northern Missouri, where we where we were at, it was kind of it was kind of the perfect mixture between um, you know open know open CRP uh, farmland and then blocks of timber you know hardwoods it it was it was like to me I thought it
2: was the perfect mixture
0: of of, of habitat you know absolutely
2: I mean there were a lot of hardwoods as you mentioned a little bit of cedar not a whole lot uh, lots of multi floral rows down in the the lower areas and there are a lot of deep draws and those kind of things but those things were covered with multi floral rows and Y'all that are not familiar with multi-floor rows, if you took a your your pet a cat that still had its claws and had that sucker so mad at you that he wanted to scratch you to death, that was kind of like it was when we uh, <laughs> when you'd get into it. I mean, it yeah. grabbed a hold and wouldn't turn loose until the, the thorn broke off or a piece of flesh came out. Yeah, that stuff, it's
0: uh, it's rough. You got to really watch where you're walking, try to navigate through it, and it's sometimes, sometimes you got no choice. You just got to go through it, and that's when it gets really tough. Yeah, you got to
2: kind of just grit your teeth and force your way through it, and, and there will be blood because it's an amazingly horrible plant to deal with. But uh, the, the deer population was was interesting to me in that uh, there is a relatively high deer population in there that we hunted. Now, we're hunting private farms that uh, Darren Bradley least long term and, and set up management programs on to where they can kind of control what comes off of it and and the numbers of which can come off of it. So what was your after seeing all the uh, you know wait, tell us a little bit of, tell a little bit about that first morning that we hunted. What was your thought about when we got finally got out and started hunting?
0: Well, you know, obviously we had that rain and uh, you know rain and running camera equipment trying to film a hunt. You know, it doesn't work out too well. So <laughs> uh, well, <clears throat> we uh you know we waited out the storm in that in that line and which I was oh, very very pleased and proved. thankful that we had that wine readily oh, man. available. You know, we can get in out of the weather. But uh um, man when the when the rain cleared and we we decided to go and you know check out those those tree stands which was the original plan that morning. Um, just, we had to go to Plan B because of the storm. But uh, when we, you know, when we were sitting in the blind, we didn't really see much for deer, you know, coming out. No, we did. food they just. What, what do we see? How many deer did we see in the
2: blind? Oh, probably maybe five or six total. Five or six They're deer, mostly just like six-month-old fawns, yeah. primarily that have been kicked off, yeah, by their mothers very recently. But when we when we got over there, you know,
0: at the at the bottom of that draw in that tree stand set up,
2: we, we saw we saw quite a few deer the whole rest of the day. We did. It was an absolutely beautiful deep bow fairly, uh, maybe about 50, 70, 80 yards wide at the bottom and then hillside to the left and a little creek bottom running through there. But I want to go get back to the tree stand. You like to bow hunt, so yeah. you're, you do hunt out of trees. I do. I, I hunt out of trees all the time. Um,
0: but... It's, I don't hunt for 11 hours straight very often. You know, you know what I mean? It's, I, I'll go and I'll put in a long you know, for, for me, a long sit in a tree stand is five hours, you know? That is, that, that is a long time. But we did multiple <laughs> 11 hour days
2: in, in double sets, you know, for, for the camera. Exactly. Now, the reason I bring you—you—you sit in trees. You sit in tree stands. Yes, sir. Yes. I hunt from the ground, and to me, to be confined to a tree stand like a like a turkey sitting on a roost up there, dealing with the wind, dealing with the weather, dealing with the cold, and all those kind of things—that's really That I hadn't hunted that way in the past, but I'll tell you it was a relearning, kind of almost a new experience as far as I was concerned. Yeah,
0: yeah, I I I like to hunt off the ground too when I can. Uh, Not it's not all the time that I can, and it's more it's better to hunt from a tree. But uh, yeah, it's been a long time since I spent that much consecutive (laughs) time in a tree stand, and it was. It was just kind very of trying. trying. Wasn't
2: it? Very <laughs> trying. Yeah. It's kind of, to me any time that you're hunting in a situation like that, if you're seeing game and throughout, we hunted, we would get to as uh, Jeremiah was mentioning, we got to the blind a good hour before first light, yeah. and we would stay in that blind or in that tree stand all day long. Carry your lunch with you, and you know maybe you maybe get up and stretch every once in a while, but that was about the extent of it. Just sitting in one spot and way we're doing that is because those places are not huge like we hunt in Texas, but uh, so you don't want to get out and do a whole lot of moving around. But at the same time, when we got up there, the rut had just gotten started really good and there was some breeding going on. And and, uh, so you never know when those bigger bucks, and we were there actually to try to hunt one of about three different bucks that were you know, from about 160 to a little bit larger. But uh, for me to sit in that stand, that that was a that was a, not a first, but it was it was a first for the first time in a long time, kind of thing. Like. Absolutely, we had as you mentioned, had rain in the morning, and then it kind of cleared off that first day, and we actually got in the tree stand, and we spent probably about oh god five six hours at least in the tree stand that first afternoon, and then the next morning they wanted to hunt another area, so they took us out way before daylight. And, and,
0: they, and they didn't have a camera stand. They yeah, didn't have a, they didn't have a camera stand. There was no camera tree, stand so set
2: up, and then and anytime you hunt out of it, any kind of off the ground, you need to wear a safety safety harness. And then uh, the, the the strap that goes around the tree for my safety harness was not long enough, so we elected to sit on the ground. Yeah, which I loved. Me too. <laughs> yeah, we, we were in action all day. Mm-hmm. We literally were. Uh, of course, we're wearing blaze orange cap and vest. And so we found a spot there next to a big old oak tree and scraped the leaves away. and Got a couple of cedar limbs, put them out in front of me and, and, and Jeremiah and, and kind of made our own little ground blind right there. And you know, that we had that one eight-point buck and he came out of the bottom and he walked right up on the front, um, r- almost into us, didn't he? Yeah, almost jumped in the blind with us. And he didn't pay us a whole lot of attention. I mean, he kind of thought, like, you can see, kind of looking like, Whoa, what, what, what is that over there? You know, but he yeah. did not spook and run. And we knew when that happened that we were probably in a pretty good place in, in terms of, uh, of, uh, of, of placement. And that morning, as, as you said, we saw a lot of deer. A ton of deer.
0: And and some of those deer we saw over and over throughout right. different periods of the day they would they would go off and then they would come back through. And next thing you know, they'd be
2: coming back through. Yeah, they place. come again. And, and in the process of that, we saw several really good young deer. There were several, but you know, to I me, mean? besides seeing the number of deer that we did and being able to get off the ground that day highlight to me was seeing that one big eight-point buck get showed up and the fact that he actually bred a doe right there in front of us. Right in front of us. Covered her twice. Twice, as a matter of fact. And uh, so we knew, yep, not only is the breeding season going on, I mean, it was a rut going on. There some actual breeding going on. And uh, they progressed. We saw a few more different bucks. And then we had a, a, a buck chasing the doe down below us. And we had the, had like five or six points on one side kind of a blade going straight up on the other side and uh, by of all things he bred the dough right there in front of us sure did and then it kind of then we finally found late that afternoon there was a really nice typical Tim that came in and, and had he not been young and had he been a little bit bigger you know he was of interest as far as I was concerned
0: yeah he might he might have been a candidate if he had been another year or two
2: older he really needed uh, yeah, you're right. To me at least at, at least another year. He was a deer that uh probably would have scored in the one forties or something like that. But yeah. Absolutely beautiful set. The antlers and uh, a little short on some of the back down, but I think over a period of time should he survive, he could be one of those one sixty to one seventy class better deer and, you know, next year or year thereafter. Yeah. What about that one eight point that we saw? Did you like that? Oh, that deer was gorgeous. Talking about the young, the younger one. Yes. Yeah, yes. that deer was that
0: deer was gorgeous, and I'm a I'm a sucker for big eight points. I really <laughs> am. But I mean, that entire day made for some of the best whitetail footage that I've ever gotten to capture, and we were on the ground.
2: We were on we the were ground. We were on the ground. I eye, literally had eye, eye with them. And they, li- they they did not. They, they never spooked. Uh, I sprayed my clothes down before I came up with the Scent Guardian put out by uh, Texas Race Hunting Products. And I've noticed that in using that stuff is that it, it confuses their noses to where they don't you, but it almost has one of those EMF effects where uh, I use that stuff, real pretty quickly and I want to come back, but I use that in, on a pronghorn antelope hunt. I sprayed down and I walked with, from 500 yards to 13 steps on a pronghorn buck, and he never, he kind of That's cast his eye my way, but he never you know, concentrated, looked to see what it was. And so, we, I was all sprayed down with all that on this thing, but those deer really did not pay us a whole lot of attention at all. I mean, I, I think the orange caught them a little bit yeah, by surprise definitely. or time. You know, surprise a time or two, but uh, we got some, to me, that was one of the more fun days of the uh, spending the time of field and the wind blew 30, uh-huh. seemed like 40 miles an hour and it was,
0: you know that's, I mean that's another testament maybe to the, to the product that you're talking about is that wind was literally it was blowing all oh, over it, the place, yeah, it was no, swirling it, where we were at yeah, it was
2: high intensity but I mean it was, it was swirling, you could watch leaves almost do like a whirlwind around us a time or two and and that, so our scent, you know, if,
0: if, if our scent was blowing all over the place. And, and we had deer all over the we place. We had deer I mean, all over the place. We had deer on every side same.
2: of us that you can imagine during that time frame. That, to me, was one of the more enjoyable times that I've spent in the deer woods. And to be very honest, with you, we'd, we'd have very short periods of time where we did not have deer around us somewhere or another. And during that time frame... Sure, in the mind, I started telling story hunting stories, telling stories about it, both old friends that we have over the years, kind of thing. And deer to cropped up. We shut up, pipe down, pipe down for a little bit. And so I mean, it was one of those days that that was the one day that that 11 hours of sitting in one spot did not seem like was all 11 that hours. bad. We got to, we actually got to hunt and cut up and laugh a little bit in, in between the periods. Of action, so <laughs> we did. It, like I said to me, it was one of the most enjoyable days I've ever spent in the deer woods. Me and too. We didn't pull the trigger on anything, but we sure got some great whitetail footage from midwestern uh, whitetail deer there in that part of Missouri. Got back. We were staying at a, at a bed and breakfast kind of place called a Phillips House in Macon, uh, Missouri. Super nice couple ran it, and but it wasn't. a for us it wasn't so much bed and breakfast as it was bread, I'm sorry, bed and supper, <laughs> or bed and dinner, and the meals we had coming in, you know, you'd be thinking about where you got it, you go, oh my god what are we going to have for supper tonight? It sure uh, was good last night. I'll tell you what they they can they can throw
0: down in the kitchen I'm telling you, they, they cooked up some mighty fine meals for us while
2: we were there, and they were very nice people. Oh, they were so very gracious the whole time, and, and uh it was a pleasure with a bunch of other people in camp from all over the different parts of the country. And, uh, Kirk was our was was the I, you know, it's, I can't remember Kirk's last name right now, but uh, he was just he was our our guide, if you will, to put us out where we needed to go and, and uh, to kind of point us in the right direction and kind of ran the camp. With other people we had people from Alabama, and New York, and Pennsylvania. And, gosh a few other places as well too and got to spend some time a little bit because by the time you got in got a bite to eat uh, kirk washington i thought he would, that's what it was i started to say that kirk washington was as i mentioned was our our guide the, the uh camp uh i guess the charge of that camp right there yeah he's the manager the camp manager there yeah. you go uh we actually were staying there were some people staying within the guest house but then we were staying in an old carriage house that had been converted to a, a place, and they were, had, had she pretty much had the upstairs all to ourselves in that place.
0: Yeah, it was uh, the, the accommodations there were great. The place, absolutely. The place was really neat, very old, built, you know, the house and the carriage house,
2: What from the, what did they say, it was built in? 1880s, I think. 1880s, when, 80s, yeah, yeah, I yeah. think is when they were saying it. Beautiful old home, absolutely. Folks that ran it, uh, I mean, they just were—you couldn't have asked for more hospitable, friendlier people to be around. And of course, same thing with the, the other guides that uh, those guys that uh, B has, and then also the hunters that we had in camp were—they uh, were a lot of fun to be around. The problem was we didn't get a chance to visit very much because. By the time you'd sat all day long, and you'd been, we were getting up at three o'clock in the morning to get ready. To get to the farm that we were going to. Through, get a pretty the, good drive, What did it take 30? It took about 40 minutes, I think. before 40 you said. minutes, yeah. So, you know, to get there an hour before daylight, so we had to leave plenty early, and then we would hunt until dark, and came back in, and by the time you got something to eat, told them to hunt two hunting stories, had a glass of wine, you were wanting to go to bed. I was, at least. I was, too. I,
0: I was too. I was, uh, there were actually a couple of nights that I stayed up later than I should have. And it, it, made, <laughs> it made getting up the next morning that much harder, I'll tell
2: you that. Well, that, that 3, 3.30 comes early, and, you know, as the old saying goes, it doesn't take long to spend the night in the hunting camp, <laughs> I guess. That's right. We, uh, with that windy day, the outfitter, uh, Darren Bradley had sent me a text. He goes, Larry, he said, I'm so sorry you're hitting the rain, you're hitting the wind. You know, tomorrow the winds are supposed to be down and next to nothing and he said deer activity ought to be out of this world we were thinking the same thing and so with great anticipation we crawled into that day another tree stand actually the, the, same the tree stand that we hunted the very first
0: tree stand exactly set that we hunted that. we got back in that set
2: there was one big draw there that led to a food plot where they had actually seen was said, three really good bucks and those were the ones we were hunting them Man, it was it was chilly and it was cold and there wasn't much wind, but what wind was there was was pretty darn brutal, quite frankly. Man, it was very cold. <laughs> I was on the shady side of the tree. I never got to, I never got to see the sun the entire day. No, that I was fortunate. I was sitting half half my left half was in the sun, my right half shaded kind of and it was one of those things like being around an old campfire when it's really cold and you stand by that campfire one side's burning up and one the other side is you know freezing to death kind of thing and with that tree stand there's no way i can maneuver around to get that cold side warm and you're sitting there where you could not get any sun so i uh i learned well
0: first off i i have to say that this is uh this this was the first, the very first um, hunt that I've ever filmed for television, out of a tree stand. Really? Because I most right. most of my work is spot and stalk hunting. You know, Africa right. and, and all over the world. I've been all over, and, and we we basically hunt spot and stalk. Absolutely. And um, even the whitetails, you know, out out of, in eastern Colorado and in the plains. It's yes, all sir. it's all been spot and stalk, and. You know, you had mentioned something about a tree arm, you know, before we left right, to come up here, and I I just, I was like, nah, I don't need a tree yeah, arm. I like, like Dave Fulson said, I'm I'm the human tripod, yeah, right? There you go. I mean, I'm steady as a rock with the camera. I just thought, I'll, I'll just go handheld. Well, I discovered why those tree stand cameramen use a tree arm, because... I got so I, I got chilled to the bone and there was no getting rid of it and I I got to be honest with you I'm kind of glad that we didn't have that big deer come in there on us that day because I don't know if I could have gotten the shot I, I would I would get into these trembling fits like shivering and I couldn't I could not hold the camera steady because I have footage of deer from that day that's going to be shaky footage that we can't
2: use, you know? I noticed several times that the, the, the tree almost felt like it was vibrating. I didn't know whether it was the wind to start with, but then I kind of look I and kind of cast an eye over to the right where you were sitting. And it I was, could see you shivering. I felt, I mean, I'm... I'm it I'm, was my whole body. It, it, it was your entire body, I can tell you. And then I noticed a couple times when you asked for a comment and I turn around there, it was all you could do. That camera reasonably steady. Yeah. you you get the shots that you wanted, kind of like thing. But if that morning the, the temperatures were not, you know, you would think it would be in the sub zeros. Yeah, that's what it felt like. But we that morning we had a very high humidity content yeah. or a, a large amount of humidity, and what wind there was just seemed to cut through you. Or yeah. it did me. Yeah, it did.
0: Of course, it did me also. It was it was brutal, you know. Here's here's the thing, Larry. You know, four hours of it, terrible. You know, but eleven hours, I mean, all day, and yeah, it, it was- just—I never could get warmed up. And There's a huge difference between you know hunting in extreme cold when you're on the move in a spot stock situation, oh yeah, or something like that, and, and, and just sitting stationary up in the tree. You know, and you can't move, you can't get blood flowing, you can't, you can't get yourself warmed up, and I'm just, like I said, I'm glad that, I'm glad that big deer we were didn't come through there that
2: morning, well, I or can, that day. I can me. tell you the same thing here because I've, I've, I've got of have half halfway made fun of about your shivering, but I was doing the same thing over there. I Gre- thought. Martin as hard as I could say, he sounded like like a woodpecker over there, making <laughs> all. I, the I thought. Morning. I thought I felt you. I thought I felt you shimmy and shake a little <laughs> I, bit
0: I, over there in, I, I, in I, those brief periods when
2: I wasn't. I, 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 I assure you that was going on. I, I'm, like you, I hunted in some awfully cold temperatures, and some of the coldest I could ever recall was, and I equated very similar to what this was, is i hunted down in the coastal areas of Alabama, Mississippi, and, and even some of the Texas, southeast Texas coast, where it'd be like 30 degrees, and you'd have 100% humidity, and you'd have a 10, 15 mile hour wind blowing, and I mean, there, you just can't put on enough clothes. I, I had on four different base layers of, of, of long underwear, wow. and, and then a... Couple of different vests, the shirt, you know, and all that kind of stuff, and and a and a, and a coat, a good coat, and I was still cold. You know, wishing I, I don't know, I wish I was wishing for something else that I didn't have, or wishing for more of what I had. Well, maybe maybe I should have had
0: four <laughs> layers on because I only had two. I had a very uh, uh, I'm a big fan of wool, oh absolutely of smart wool and stuff. Yes, sir. You I did. had I had one very thin base layer uh, merino wool and then a mid-weight merino wool. Yep. And then a pair of bibs that are too tight for me now because I gained <laughs> I, I gained too much weight so I couldn't have worn another layer under them if <laughs> I wanted to. So, you know
2: I just I just had to suffer through it. Well, I, I was wearing basically the same thing other than the fact that I also had a uh, uh, pair of silk long underwear on. Um, you know, I'm silk pants. I'm a right. big believer in That's silk, whether silk you're hunting, swatting stock, or whether you And I, I can't say that I'm a great believer in sitting in a stand or sitting in a tripod or sitting in a tree stand because I just don't normally look that way. So I was sure wishing to get out of that thing and, and move around the butts, but being prepared, uh, if you come up to Missouri to hunt with these guys with, with I'm bed. if you're interested in a fun hunt, the opportunity to possibly take a really big, good Midwestern deer, I'd I strongly suggest that you overpack, bring more clothes than what you think you might need, because you might be surprised to find yourself even wishing for more when you got here, or got there kind of thing. And as always, bring your rain gear. Bring your rain gear. Right. We both had good rain gear with us, but the best rain gear we had was that blind that we crawled in. Well you ain't lying that thing was
0: that thing was a sight for sore eyes i was already i mean by the time we by the time we got from the truck to where the drop-off point was
2: if i hadn't had my rain gear on i would have already been soaking wet yeah the, I, I didn't have my rain gear on but I had a rain resistant coat on not a you yeah. know, not a waterproof coat it was i was wet by the time we crawled in that line, uh, that enclosed line that would have crawled in that tree stand I'd have been. Oh. I'd have, we'd have had to come out of there. That would and have been misery, we, yeah. we just couldn't have done it. It, it. No reason. You know, there's. You, you push yourself to a certain limit when it's cold and all that kind of thing. But there comes a point too, and it's stupidity, and it's time to get out. And thankfully, there we we did have that that enclosed blind, and, and we're able to crawl into it. It was nice to have that it option. Was nice. it was nice to. You can listen to the rain hit that. And it was tough trying to stay awake because the fact that we were totally enclosed and we could tell stories, so we kind of carried on over that morning as well too. I don't know how many times we—I don't know how many times we looked at each other and said, "I'm sure I'm glad we're in this wild and oh, Thank man. you, hard for, for for Darren putting that that blind in there. Came down to the, the fourth day. Now this is a four-day hunt. We're set up as a four-day hunt, and again. It's a day very, very similar to the the previous day. Absolutely great weather, cold, not unbearable cold, but right on the edge of it. And it's gonna be a relatively quiet day. The wind actually came up a little bit more than it was the day before. And two, in that bottom where we were sitting in that tree stand uh, again, we had a lot of swirling wind. But, you know, once again, two, what deer we saw that day uh with those and and little bucks and fawns and stuff right underneath our tree and on in every direction there for a while and they didn't seem to pay any attention at all to us no
0: not a bit and we had i mean we had deer we were in the bottom of the draw right up you know 18 16 18 feet however tall it was I, i hunt from tree stands pretty pretty religiously and i'm 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 estimating that that we were probably 17 feet off the ground and uh, you know there were deer that were even at eye level with us on the sides of the hill you know that that go up the hill on that ridge by the draw there right they were eye level with us oh yeah they could have they could have
2: caught our wind and
0: you know still they just didn't seem like they were all
2: that concerned no sir it didn't. that part of it worked out really really well I don't think we ever we heard some deer snorting but it was way off in the distance and uh to where obviously it was, and it was upwind, upwind from where we yeah. were too so they were not spilling us or paying us any attention there but uh, that day I, I just had great expectations that day in, in, in terms of uh, knowing that the bucks were breeding does, we had some bucks, some little bucks chasing does, and just knowing that any moment one of those three bucks that had been seen in that valley through there would show up, and I mean, it it, it, it was a tough hunt, it was a tough hunt in the, in the means of that day, just staying in that again for the, you know, the fourth day, getting ready to spend 11 hours at the stand, and knowing you're not going to crawl out of it until it's... Too dark to 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 uh, to film, and you know you're getting to that edge of uh, legal shooting light. Normally, filming light runs out about 10 or 15 minutes before the last shooting light or legal shooting light runs out. So uh, I really thought we were going to see a lot more that day. Yeah, I did too. And I got to be
0: honest with you, the ever ever since the day that we went in and and you made the you made the call for us to hunt on the ground, right. I wanted to hunt on the ground every day there I, I, really I did too
2: I, and the main reason that I didn't is is because yeah. you know they really want you to get in one of those tree stands and stay there and so not roam around and so it, it worked out the fourth day we had not killed the deer at that point we passed up some what I consider really nice deer I probably would have shot elsewhere but we're looking for one or two really three big bucks and, as it worked out that fourth afternoon, just right at, past sundown, the westerly sky was kind of, uh, because of all the wind the previous day, was kind of a beautiful golden sky. And on the very top of that ridge that we were looking at, I caught a glimpse of a, of a buck and got one or two little looks at him. and. And lo and behold, it was one of the three deer that we were hunting. And I wish that I could have gotten some footage of that. I never
0: I never could pick him up, I couldn't. I never saw him, but he was silhouetted against
2: that sunset. He was silhouetted against the sunset, but he would, it was just in passing between this tree and this yeah. tree and this tree. And then he would stop and where his head was in front of the tree and you just, you couldn't hardly see him. I mean, it was about probably 125, 150 yards a bear he was, and uh, we knew he was in the area, but the hunt's over with, officially, and so we get back to the truck, and of go, well, you know, close the show, it's been an absolutely fantastic show, we've had a great time, been with great people, passed up good deer, ate too much, told a lot of stories, you know, and all those kind of good things, and uh, we get back to camp, and I've got a text from, from uh, Darren Bradley then. I owner, and he goes. Uh, he says, "Larry he said, I know this weather has not been at all good." He says, "We got to. If you can, why don't you stay over another day?" And I looked over at, at uh, Jeremiah, and I knew him, and, uh, like As I mentioned earlier, Jeremiah is just a tremendous artist who Does burials, barrels. He was supposed to go to a job pretty quickly in Houston, and, and unfortunately, uh, as it worked out. Uh, I talked and you called, or they called you and said, hey, we don't really need you there Friday if you can come yeah. Monday. <laughs> yeah. They, well, they
0: just, uh, they, they told me to relax because that job, you know, the open date had been postponed. Right. And so, you know, they said relax. It's no problem. Uh, if you're, you know, if you're not going to be there.
2: The day that you had planned, so it, uh, just wait till next week. So it worked out absolutely yeah. perfectly, and then, uh so we talked to uh, Tim and Dave with uh, Safari Classic the production company, and and Tim goes absolutely if y'all can. Dave said the same thing if y'all can stay over an extra day. Because I mean we had a great show at that time. The only thing we didn't do it to that point is to take a deer. So. Uh, Thankfully, arrangements have been made to where we can stay over another night at the same place to the next hunter group, but coming in until the latter part of the week, and uh, we spent the night, during that evening talk, we sat down with Kirk a little bit, and. Uh, young gentleman who goes by the name of Soda. Yeah, because he's from Minnesota. Chris Fight is <laughs> yeah. his name. Chris, yes, Chris fight And uh, we kind of looked at the map that they had of the property and, and go, okay, is it, is it okay if we can get on the ground? Because we get on the ground, I think if we move up into the more toward, toward the head of that draw, uh, about that time, Kirk says, I think that deer is, is bidding on the opposite side of where you guys are hunting. I think he works those ridges and he comes in and spends the evening on on top of the ridge. So, you know, we talked a little bit more and said, well, what I'd really like to do is just walk in there and find a spot to sit down in the morning. We'll get in there before daylight. We'll get close to that draw where you can see some areas and just sit down. And if when it gets light, if we can't see what we want to see, then we can always pick up and move. So basically that's what we did. Exactly what we did. We went
0: in and sat down. and. it started getting light enough to see and we had that doe that come up. She came out. Know, right she was really close, maybe forty yards. And uh thank goodness. I mean the same deal. She saw us, saw something that wasn't right, but she didn't blow, she didn't spook and run out of there. She just kinda walked off, looked she at did. us every once in a while and then she was out of the picture. And,
2: uh, well, it's about the time that you said, you know, I, I I think if we move over a little bit, we might have a chance to look a little deeper into that draw. So yeah, we couldn't
0: see the we no. couldn't see the very bottom of the draw from where we were at. Man, so, I'm sure
2: glad we moved. Well, we started looking from where we were to try yeah. to find a spot and go. Okay, it looks like it drops off there. There's a tree there yeah. that we can set up to. So we started easing over in that direction and and. Uh, found a spot sat down and, and kind of push the leaves aside a little bit and put up a shooting stick so you got all propped up against the tree where you could almost use it like a back rest for a tripod kind of thing. Exactly. And uh, so now it's probably oh, 7.30 or something like that, 7.35 maybe a little bit later. And uh, the sun's about to come up and all those kind of good things. We sit there for just a little bit and then you spotted a, a doe. Yeah. And then she was with a little, a uh, little buck chasing her, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, he was, uh, you know, probably a little, 120 inch. Yeah, 9 beautiful, point, beautiful little buck. Pretty, pretty little buck, but he was, he was following her. Um, they, he wasn't chasing her. She was just walking, and he was walking behind. When she'd stop, he'd stop, kind of thing. And then they, they kind of went out of sight.
2: I lost them in the thick briars. And, down uh, there. The yeah, there was briars. Of course, there, we didn't realize that we couldn't see quite into the bottom of the creek as well either. There was sort a little cut bank here. And we'd been sitting there for a little bit later, I mean, a little bit longer, and I caught something out just movement, and I thought, God, that had to have been a deer. And I go, no, and I couldn't. I glass over and couldn't see anything. And then finally, this deer steps out, and, and we were looking for a, a big ten point, quite frankly, with very tall tines. And lo and behold, it was him. But he
0: was only there for a second. <laughs> yeah, I never, I, again, you saw him, just like the, the evening before, you saw him. Yeah. And then I, I never could find him. I never got to see him. I didn't get any video of him the first time you saw him that morning.
2: He, well, and it worked out, he... He meandered, kind of behind. I saw him again a couple times. and Then I totally lost him. And I thought, Where in the world does this deer go? Because no way could he have gotten away from where we were and uh, or what we're looking at without us seeing it, without us seeing him move, you know. And then all of a sudden, down at the bottom to our left, here's this deer, the same deer we I'd seen just moments before, where we'd seen that uh, that nine point chasing that doe and. Uh, He's going to our left like he's going to leave that area that we were in. And for whatever reason, thank you, Lord, he turned around and uh, started back up the hill, started back up the draw. And uh, he disappeared a couple times again, but he, then he reappeared. And in the meantime, you were able to find where he was. And I would have we found him about the same time after that because he had disappeared on us again.
0: Yeah, you, you
2: because I, I was... I was starting to get a little bit frantic
0: because I I still had not seen the deer. Right. You you and then spotted I spotted him again. Yeah. And then you spotted him again and then he disappeared and you said he should pop out right down there by the base of that dark tree that's leaning left. I said, "Okay. I, okay." So, you know, I I zoomed in. I zoomed all the way down, made sure I got in focus, then zoomed all the way back and then I saw the, I saw the deer. Right where you said he was gonna pop out. And, and I, he did. <laughs> yeah, oh he popped out all right. I zoomed back in and I said, My lands, what a bug. And I was on him. And then I told you know, that's when I told you,
2: okay, yeah, I got him, I'm on him. I would heard that and then I kinda glanced back right before get sheet. I get ready. She was trying to get the tripod set up with my shooting sticks uh, set up a little bit differently so that I could uh, Get a good solid rest, and, and I, I'm, I'm shooting a Remington 700 in this instance and a 280 Remington 180, uh, 150 grain ELDX. Unbelievable horny load. Uh, I mean, it just perceived, horny precision hunter to me, it's just one of the best things there is. And I had a Trigicon 10 mile scope, and I crank that scope up a little bit. I had it cranked way down because we're hunting close to down to three-fire cranked it up to about seven or eight so I could hopefully see anything that was obstructed that might be in front of us and this deer steps out and he finally turns a little bit to the to the right and like he's gonna kinda of quarter and usually we try to get more footage but with this buck, there's one we were after, there wasn't much time. No, yeah. there wasn't not I mean, I didn't even know you were about to shoot. Yeah, but I, I I glanced back and I saw that you were you were really concentrating on the deer, and I thought, okay, he, <laughs> he's on him. Please let him be on him. You know, yeah. And but so I ended up shooting, and uh, the deer just folded up immediately. And about that same time, I thought I saw the deer go down, and I saw a deer run from almost exactly where I was shooting. Evidently, he was down in a low spot. Another buck that was somewhat similar to the buck that that we had down takeoff running to the right. And I thought, oh my gosh, surely I didn't miss that deer. Surely he didn't get up and run away. And so I told you, just, you know, I'm, I'm gonna go look and see if I can find blood. So I walked down there to see where I last stopped and looked where I last seen that deer disappear disappeared into the draw. And there's nothing but tracks, no blood. And about that time you walked up down behind me and he said, let uh, me you this video footage. He said, I just reviewed it, that deer is down. So we walked what? Ten steps? Uh, it was a little further than that. Part- he, he was probably thirty yards to the
0: oh, left okay. of where where I met you coming back down the hill. Okay, thirty yards. It didn't seem very far for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I mean, I watched that video over and over. I watched it in slow-mo. You could, you could see that deer just it fall when, like a when you anvil me, out of the sky. Yes, so. when
2: you showed me, there was, a, I knew that. Then yeah. I said, oh, wait a minute. That deer has to be right here somewhere, very, very close. Yeah. And couldn't have gone anywhere. So sure enough, we started walking over kind of in that direction. So let's see so we can find, some, you know, where there was blood or what's going on. And of course, we get there and there he's laying there. He, he is, he's down for the count and he's a he's a good one with cash over here uh no i didn't know if you wanted to go through this uh, go through this whole thing while you're doing your oh no we can we can uh we're, we're we're this podcast is being done on the road we're stuck right now at a uh, uh toll booth here right on the edge of uh oklahoma so we may have some interruptions here in just a little bit so just bear with us this is this is live folks it's like it's live then we look down there and here's this dad gum deer and I mean he is the one that we're looking for. And yeah. Oh my gosh was he a good buck. Magnificent. He's, he's a, he turned out just as what uh, Kirk, Kirk rather, had described to us as being a, a big typical ten, had kind of a mutual base on another one. And uh, I don't know what's going on. I've got a car here behind me. As soon as that car goes by we'll head that way. Uh, but anyway looked at his antlers and go oh my gracious this thing is absolutely huge she sure is a- waving up a storm patty thank you okay that'd be great thank yeah, you very okay. much you. you too well we made it through the toll booth <laughs> Hit it farther now, but uh, anyway, this this buck is absolutely a beautiful. Ten points, got really long tines, and he's got good mass. and He's not real wide, but he's got some little kickers there at the on, the on the brown tine on one side. And he's just an absolutely magnificent buck, as far as I'm concerned. I don't know anybody that I don't know anybody that wouldn't be happy to just tickle the dust. And I know this much: I wouldn't he's, pass him up anywhere no, that I've ever been. He's, so he's beautiful. We were just absolutely thrilled with with the buck. We got great footage out of it. Did the recovery. Spent a lot of time, which I like to do. And thankfully, Jeremiah's is the same way. The where we like to spend a lot of time setting the deer up for good photography. And we shot practice shots and kind of looked at them. And go okay. Now if we do this, move this rabbit. Okay, move your hand here. Move you do this kind of thing. We spent about two and a half hours working on that deer, getting photographs. And, and to me, the Those kind of photographs are so very important with with the writing that I do, and and, uh, unfortunately, sometimes social media we have to be involved in. uh, It was just an absolutely necessary time, and we got joined by two other gentlemen by soda, and like I said, Chris Fight, and another young man that's just got his degree in wildlife. His name is Tucker. Tucker just got his degree in wildlife, and we carried on and had fun and joked and and messed with each other. And a big part of it was, though, too, is that where we shot this deer, where he fell, it was in a gnarly, rare creek bottom. And having those two excellent helpers there, in terms of Chris or Soda and Soda and, uh, and Tucker, they drag that deer out to where we got it to the field, and then we shot a few more photographs out in the field, and headed back to their camp, where their the guide camp is, and. and uh, there we uh, uh, took him apart, boned him out. Uh, we gave to him, told a few hunting stories while we we're doing it. Got back in that evening. Unfortunately, Kirk had to leave. He, he's got a young fiance that he was wanting to anxious to go see, and I don't ever seen her photograph. I don't blame him for wanting to go see her back <laughs> And uh, so he hit it on the way, and then you and I and. and uh, and soda, and he invited one of his other guy friends. Who went to a local steakhouse there, AJ's. Was, what'd you say about the steak you had? It, it was it was one of the best steaks, if not the best steak that I've ever had. I I will not argue that fact because I was truly truly impressed as well too. That the, the steak was good, that the surroundings were good, the company was good, and uh the steaks were outstanding they that was you're right that's one of the finer steaks ribeye steaks i've ever eaten and i really like ribeye so i can attest the fact if you're ever in that part of of uh, missouri around macon missouri that you want to go to aj's it used to be called the pear tree i think Now it burned down and so they replaced it with the place they call aj's but uh you know it was just one of those trips that we were on that was just Out of this world. Getting to spend time with you was was an absolutely huge part of everything that uh, that you could think of. Well, the the feeling
0: is very mutual, Larry. And I want to I just I know I'm kind of jumping back here, but I want to touch on something you were talking about a minute ago. When we were talking about all the time and the effort that we that we spent, you know, getting that getting good photos of that deer, and you know. These animals that we all love to hunt and, and pursue, they deserve that kind of respect. You know what you know, they really of, do. That. It's a token of respect to the animal to if you're gonna if you're going to show pictures of of your your harvest or the animals you've taken, just take take a little take extra a time Absolutely. And, and make
2: them look nice. To me you know, that's a respect for the animal yeah. exactly uh, the way it ought to do y'all are excuse just saying we got another toll booth to go through hi, hi ma'am i'm going that away is that oh that's down 69. okay so that I, I pay there no sir where are you coming from uh just right up the road here okay did you get your receipt uh, yes ma'am i just put it in the i think it's... okay i'm gonna give you back 225. Oh, I get money back. Yes, sir. Wow, that never happens. Are you
1: Are kidding? Are you sure? Is
0: this is this some kind of mean joke? No.
2: That's awesome. Well, I'm impressed. Twenty-five, one and two. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. And more reason to come to this part of the world. There you go. <laughs> Thank
0: you. Thank you. Be safe.
2: Yes, ma'am. Bye. Wow. What, there's there's what a, a treat. there's a first right there to where I've gone through a toll booth. And somebody said, we owe you money. (laughs) You got some good money coming back. So I apologize for all the interruptions. But as I said, we're recording this on our way back from the Missouri hunt and Lord knows we didn't
0: have any time to do anything uh, while we were there. From you know, before was starting our day at three thirty in the morning every morning. Actually, and
2: then, you're right. I mean, initially my my goal was is every night we come in, I was going to sit down. And you and I were going to do a little bit and and just kind of, you know, tell the story of the day. And and by the time that we'd get up in the morning, hunt all day long, and you would come in and your your face was windburned and. Your eyes were burning, and by the time you got a bite to eat, you know you took a shower. You, by gosh, you want to get to sleep, get ready for the next day. Ready to uh, get horizontal. So I apologize to you folks out there about the the quality in, in terms of sound and everything, but I appreciate you being with us on this. Um, what we had such a great time. I mean, again, if you if you're looking for a hunt anywhere in that part of the world, and that includes Illinois and Iowa, I M B Outfitters is, is has fantastic properties in all those different areas and, and whether you're they cater very much to bow hunters and then they take a few gun hunters as well too so our muzzle hunters depending on the season or the state but uh, if you're ever interested in, in a hunt somewhere in that part of the world I can I can attest these folks went way out of their way did an absolutely fantastic job for literally absolutely. everybody in camp and and not just for us but for all the other hunters and envisioned with the hunters that were there, those that took deer and those that didn't take deer. Everybody had, with the exception of maybe one or two people, had opportunities that really good mature deer. And that's just, that's just hunting kind of thing. So uh, get in touch with, with Darren Bradley and his group with, uh, as I said, I, uh, IMB Outfitters. You can Google it and uh, my golly, you'll be glad that you did. What was, with all things combined, uh, including the interruptions here as well too. What, what what what's your takeaway with uh, uh, from this hunt as far as you're concerned? I, mean,
0: what... uh, I would like to come do this hunt myself. For one, uh, I, I was I was impressed with with the properties. Oh yes, the the deer numbers. You know. With the ex- exception of that one day, I mean, it, we had kind of a slow day, but I think I think we got a little bit spoiled from the day before when we that, were hunting that on the second ground
2: day. We, you know, it, we, as you mentioned, we saw probably 20, 25 different bucks. Yeah. And we saw some of those bucks multiple times. Yeah. So, you know, you, you, you kind of lose. Total number, or you kind of get lost and you go, Oh my god, we saw 50 60 bucks today. And you didn't, but you know, we, we ended up seeing you know, lost yeah. those bucks two times and sometimes three times. But but yeah, that was one of the things that this is one of those areas you would personally consider to come hunt. I would love to come hunt would love to come hunt on his properties the the, the property that we were on I, oh, I would love to hunt that place that, i really would he, he's got some areas set aside that he uh or set up as kind of his trophy areas where he asks people not to shoot anything below 140 and and certainly those animals are there and there's absolutely much bigger animals there as well too in terms of, of uh size and I'm, I'm the same way I, I can't before we left uh we called darren and He said, Larry, do you want to come back next year? And I go, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I love those kind of hardwood hunts that we were in, and and I love those hardwoods and uh, the hospitality of these folks up here. But I will tell you, Jeremiah, there's only one stipulation of my coming back up here that you're going to be the cameraman when I do. Man, I would love it. I'm going to call Tim and Dave, and I'm going to give them an absolute horrible time about... And then finish it off with, "Don't you ever send me on another hunt again anywhere else unless Jeremiah Bennett's the cameraman for me." <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome,
0: man. I would uh, tell you what I would love to. I would love to be along on any of your that, hunts.
2: Well, that we're, we we're, 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 we're going to talk. I want to talk to them. You're going to talk to them. We're doing some more hunts for uh, Trading uh World Sports Field to uh, some classics that we got planned for this year and particularly for next year. And uh, there are several adventures we'll visit about here in a little while. About, I'll be able to give you some dates pretty quickly when we get back home and say, Hey, uh, Tim and Dave want us to do this show. and Can you please block these dates out for me?
0: Absolutely. I'll tell you what, you know, you and I have known each other for quite a few years. Uh, We just never had work together Never hunted together. Right, never had time to really spend together. Yes. But after this, you know, after this week of hunting up here, you know, I got to tell you, I feel like, I feel like I've known you my
2: whole life. (laughs) Well, it's it's
0: mutual. And I feel like I've made a friend for life. And I've just really, really. Yeah, I kind of think you did. (laughs) I just, I know you did. I have so, Enjoyed hunting with you, learning from you. You know, I, I, well,
2: we learned from you, each other. And yeah, that to me is the you have more. some knowledge that I don't have, or I didn't and, have. And you before. have knowledge that I don't have. So, and and it's been absolutely great. So,
0: my takeaway on this whole experience was just everything. It was, it was just totally awesome for me. You know, the hunt was awesome. I got, I got to lay down some great footage. I, I made. I made a friend that I'm gonna have that I'm gonna be friends with for life. We're gonna we're gonna get to hunt together, do some more stuff together. Yes, we are. You know, the guides were were nice, hardworking, oh, top notch, top notch young men, and uh, the, the food was excellent. I mean, what more can you ask for?
2: That's it. That's it. I mean, the deer there, the weather would could be nasty, but if we found out even some of that nasty weather, those deer tend to move better than yeah. most people think they did. But again, my takeaway was kind of the same thing. I had an absolutely fabulous time, but we made this trip and being able to spend time with you, share hunting stories, uh, share fairly close spaces for 11 hours a day, yeah. and even even at night, I mean, you slept in one room and I slept in the other room right next to it, but... Uh, you know, just being able to spend time with you is what really made this trip. So, and I, I, with that said, I, I just want to invite everybody to the DSC uh, uh, convention this year, February 11th through the 14th, there at the K Bailey Hutchinson Center in, in, uh, there in Dallas. Uh, everything's still on go, regardless of some of the COVID things. There may be a few changes as far as how we can travel through the halls, but uh, I got a feeling I'm going to drag Jeremiah down there and we'll mind I'll find ourselves a place we can sit in a a place and and invite everybody to come by and share their hunting stories with us as well too. Yeah you you just might see me down there Larry if if my passport
0: doesn't come back. uh,
2: I made mean, who that I talk to to keep your passport from being there? <laughs> the Department of State. <laughs> oh,
0: gosh. But if, oh, yeah. if my passport comes back, I will likely... Well, no, wait a minute. When, when is it, the DSC? It's, it's, it's 11th and February. 14th of February. Oh, no, I'll be you'll there. You'll be back. So no, I'll, I'll be come, there. No, Regardless of whether my passport comes and I'm going guiding desert mule deer hunts yep. in Sonora, Mexico in January is
2: of no of no consequence if it's in February I will be there you, we did not dwell on your artwork we did not dwell on your um, on the uh, uh, guiding that you do so oh, yeah. before we sign this thing off for this particular segment we'll come back and we'll do another one but tell somebody how if they're interested in because in, you do murals for for uh, everything from inside restaurants outside restaurants to old signs to uh doing I, I do backgrounds about anything for absolutely beautiful trophy ribs yeah, and those kind of things. Plus, you got in Mexico for some of the biggest mule in, in North America. Yeah. So, how how does somebody get in touch with you if they want to visit with you about a possible hunt, or if they would like for you to do a mural farm or anything along those lines? Well, can I just can I just plug my phone number? Absolutely. You can plug your phone number and submit it two or three times. Yeah, yeah. You can
0: just you can reach me at, at area code 214-557-1774. My first name's Jeremiah. last name's Bennett. So that's you know, Jeremiah Bennett at
2: 214-557-1774. What about social media? Is there a place there that they can get in touch with you can, as well? You can
0: find me on Facebook and Instagram.
2: Okay. And what do they look for there?
0: Uh, you just search me. Jeremiah just, Bennett. Just, just I don't, Jeremiah Bennett. Yeah. Wiley, Texas.
2: Jeremiah Bennett. Jeremiah Bennett, Wiley, Texas. Wiley, Texas. Yes, sir. Jeremiah, we're going to shut this one off. We're going to get down the road a little bit, and I think we're going to do another one because you talked about so many different adventures that you've been on, and you truly impressed me with some of your stories. So I want to come back and visit some of those. But in the meantime, folks, get in touch with Jeremiah if you're interested in a, in a uh, any kind of painting that I any, mean,
0: any trophy room dioramas, you know, scenic backgrounds behind your uh, taxidermy mounts and habitat. Um, that, that
2: I specialize in that. So You heard it right there, and I'll tell you what, you'll be glad that you did. This guy is an absolute fabulous artist, and uh, he's such a great pleasure to be around. You'll probably hire him to do your background, and then you'll hire him for another week. And you can have him for that week as long as he's not supposed to be filming for me, for just having him tell another story of the business with you. So. We're gonna sign this thing off. Don't forget to go to biggame.org, B-I-G-G-A-M-E dot O-R-G to learn more about Dallas Safari Club and to learn more about the convention. Jeremiah, we'll see these folks there uh, at the convention, and then I got a feeling here for too very long too on this podcast as well. Thank you for being with me
1: this day, man. I appreciate being here with you. DSC's Untamed Heritage is also brought to you by Texas Wildlife Association, working for tomorrow's wildlife today. Wildlife Systems, serving hunters and landowners since 1987. Kenetrek Boots, for the trail less traveled. Ruger, rugged, reliable firearms. Pyramid Air, your one stop for everything air gun.